0: all right so we're going to look at the bible now if you want to pull out your bibles uh, we'll be heading to philippians 2 i'm going to see if i can get control of the projector and slide pictures in and out or whether that's going to go terribly wrong how about i pray heavenly father thank you for this last year thank you for the chance to celebrate uh, all that you have done in us and through us Lord God, we are so grateful for the friendships we have, for the time we get to spend together, for the support and encouragement we receive from each other. But more than anything else, we are thankful for Jesus. And we ask now that as we turn to your word, we would just get a clear picture of what Christ has done for us, that we would come to value him more and more, and that it would change the way that we view our world and the way that we love others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, I have this thing. I've met several people in my time who really love the benefits of Christianity, of Christians in their life, um, but they don't really like their thinking. So the way I think about it, it's, it's a bit like toffee apples... Um, When I was young, I always thought toffee apples were the bomb, I was always wanting mum and dad to buy me a toffee apple, I'd take a couple of bites, and then I realised I didn't actually want to eat all my way through the apple itself, I just liked the the toffee on the outside. (laughs) Or or it's a bit like um, my sister when when she was young, she would nag mum and dad to go to Sizzlers, she loved Sizzlers, and so eventually one day they, they gave in, we went for a meal at Sizzlers, Sizzlers is an all you can eat salad bar if you've been there, only... My sister only ate Jats the whole night. Mum and Dad asked me, I could have bought you a packet of Jats and you would have had the same meal. And it's, it's like that with Christians. Uh, sometimes people, like, they, they really appreciate the good things that churches do, um, the mental health benefits for members. Um, they recognise that people in churches, they're generally op- more optimistic, they're more socially connected Uh, They even, if you exclude the the, the religious contribution that these people make, they on average also give more generally in terms of charity, in terms of volunteering. People love that. But the same people don't like the way Christians think. Uh, They feel that Christians aren't rational, that, that even intelligent people who become Christian, they almost check their brains in at the door... It just seems so irrational, all these things that Christians believe, all this idea of heaven and hell and angels and, and especially this whole business of Jesus. Well, this morning, I want us to think about the important link between how Christians think and how they actually live. I want us to see that, that this good life that Christians live, it actually it only exists because of what Jesus has done. that Christians see evidence in history for a different way of viewing God, a different understanding of what God is like. And if you understand that, if you, if you actually recognise that that's who God is, it can transform your whole view on life. It can teach you a different way of relating to other people. And it can make a huge difference to our world. So how about I pray? And then we'll get into it. Uh, God, please do open your word to us now as we look at Philippians that we would understand jesus i mean okay so i keep hearing people say scientists are thinkers and religious people they aren't and I, I immediately want to say that's not true we just heard about janet and how she became a christian and immediately she had a hunger to learn more and that's my experience that that you you have these people become christian and they just keen to know about the the reality of who jesus is they they, they're excited when they discover that there's all this evidence for the historical jesus all these manuscripts documents from early on not only christian documents but non-christian documents that show that jesus was a human being that he was born a carpenter known for his miracles and teachings he was killed on a cross And yet the people that followed him thoroughly believed that he was risen from the dead three days later. That they thought there was that sort of evidence. In fact, they even called him Christ, which is just another way of saying king. And as Christians learn about Jesus, it actually changes the way that they think. You watch it in New Christians and you see it here in the book we're studying in Philippians. So, th- this book, as we've been seeing, Philippians is one of 66 books that make up the Bible. Um, the book, as we call it, is actually a letter. And um, it's from Paul, who was a key leader in the early church, to a bunch of Christians in Philippi. And Philippi is this city, it's, it's not far from modern Istanbul, if you want to locate it on a map. Our church has been studying that, this letter, and we've been seeing how the church is under pressure. So, um, Paul, their founder, he's now under arrest with the the Roman government, the emperor's imperial guard. But worse, the Philippians themselves, they're being opposed, they're under pressure for being Christian. And so, at the end of chapter 1, you hear Paul very urgently urge them to stand together, to stick with each other and stand firm for Jesus. And you realise why that's necessary, because if you've ever been in an organisation that's under pressure, you know what that's like. I I was a consultant and for a while I was working with a drug manufacturer, they'd failed an audit. So they were in real danger of being shut down, Um, all the people were in danger of losing their jobs, and you can imagine what that was like to work in that place. Everyone's out to protect themselves, everyone's out to, to blame somebody else for the problems, when actually we we actually needed to solve the real problem that we need to pass this audit. People under pressure, they do strange things. So what is going to prevent the Philippians from tearing apart, from starting to, to turn on each other as opposition mounts in their society? Well, Paul says it's in how they think. They need to understand God's love for them and that will change how they treat each other have a look at philippians chapter 2 in the bible that you received on the way in it's page 817 we did read it earlier but i'm going to just work through it now and show you what paul says to these people because first of all he says you need to understand god's love and it's got to change the way you think verse 1 chapter 2 verse 1 therefore if you have any encouragement from being united with christ if any comfort from his love If any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in Spirit and of one mind. Now, you might start to panic there and think it's like a tack of the clones, that everyone's sort of going to think the same, Uh, but notice what the thinking in the same is about. It's not conforming, it's about loving. "...thinking about others selflessly, seeing the world as our world, not just my world." Verse 3, "...do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others." It's this wonderful thing that happens as you you join a church family. If you put your hope in Jesus, you start to realise how wonderful it is that there's these other people in your church who also find their hope in Jesus. It's really exciting every time you meet someone else who shares this hope. It's a little bit like my family was a, a little bit, my extended family when I was growing up, a little bit dysfunctional, had a bit of trouble getting on at times, but we were all committed to Grandma. And we would get together and we'd have a great Christmas gathering because we knew we all loved Grandma and we wanted her to have a great Christmas. It's a little bit like that, but there's something more profound going on in Christianity. It's not just that it's a nice bunch of people and we sort of hold some common views, it's that Jesus has done something that just transforms our understanding of the world. Jesus has shown us something about God we would never have expected. Let's keep going and I'll show you. See, Paul, when he said to be like-minded, he actually is saying to be Christ-minded, to think the way that Jesus thought. Look at verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So how did Jesus think? Well, he was humble jesus was god he was equal with god and yet he chose to become like us verse 6 jesus who being in very nature god did not consider equality with god something to be used to his own advantage rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness god became human and he wasn't born in a palace. Uh, he wasn't born to Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. He, he was born with no status, a son of a carpenter. And then he went lower. He used that humanity to die for us. Look at verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Even death on a cross. It's just such a strange Thing for god to do uh, we don't necessarily grab this an, uh, off the bat we're too used to it but but it, the idea is look i love it when a principal is out there at pickup time and and with the students and meeting the parents it says something about the attitude of that principal it says that they they care about the people that they're serving that they're not seeing themselves as far off and distant they know the kids by name But I I, I know something very different is going on when I see the principal walk past carrying a mop and a bucket. My guess is that something really bad has happened and and there's no one else that's able to deal with this moment except for the principal. This is an emergency situation. Okay, well, God's Son didn't just come and hang out with us and get to know us and appreciate us people. He had to die on a cross... That says to me there was something seriously wrong. There was something majorly wrong with our relationship with God and the only way it could be fixed was with Jesus dying on the cross, taking our punishment. Jesus himself actually explained what his death meant to his followers. He said it was a ransom. He said he gave his life as a ransom for many. A ransom is that payment that rescues someone who's been kidnapped, um, been, been held by a different power. Jesus paid the price. We were captives to sin because we live for ourselves. We buy Satan's lie that says that you don't need to care about God, you just serve yourself. And the only rescue possible was God's Son dying on the cross for us. Jesus humbled himself. The the infinite being Jesus, who was with the Father... From the beginning of time to the end of time, eternally with God. He became a human being so that he could offer his life as a sacrifice for our forgiveness. That's amazing. But the other thing that Paul wants us to see is that when Jesus does that, God honours him. And that actually reveals something about the nature of God and the nature of reality. See, God honours humility. God honours humility. He celebrates the one who sunk the lowest. Look at verse 9. Therefore, because of his humble death, God exalted Jesus to the highest place. And gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Uh, Jesus was raised to life, was seated at God's right hand because God values humility. It says something about how this world is supposed to work. Not the way that it does, the way God intended it to be. Our default assumption is that to get ahead in life, you need to look out for number one. You need to to stand up for your own rights, you need to speak up and advocate for yourself. But God cares for the humble. This was revolutionary in its time. This is the bit that we don't get. Um, uh, There's actually been a recent book published by an atheist. He's an atheist historian named Tom Holland. It's called Dominion. So the story with Tom Holland, he wrote a previous book, and it was about um, the history of Islam and where it came from. And a bunch of people got upset because he said, look, it's come from pretty violent origins. And and they said, you should do the same for Christianity. So, you you know, you do, do serious study for your own culture, not just for our culture. He thought, fair enough, he's a non-Christian, I should do that. He assumed that a lot of the things that we value in the West about equality and kindness and caring for the poor, that he'd find that in the Greek and Roman history. And then as he went and dug into it, he realised it wasn't there. That the only reason our society is the way it is, is because of some unique event that happened about 2,000 years ago, that, that reveals a very different understanding of the world than anyone had expected. I've actually got a little snippet of Tom I, I, in an interview here. I'm going to play it. I hope the volume's loud enough.
1: Um, um, could we, though, have generated some kind of universal human rights and that, that sort of stuff? But I don't see why you would. Materials. Right. Why would you? I mean, right. the, the idea of human rights. Mm-hmm. I mean... The idea that human rights kind of hangs in the ether, waiting mm. to be discovered, right. is is as theological as believing that the Lord mm. Jesus Christ rose from the dead and sits at the hand of God the Father. Yes, I mean it's 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 yes. it's, it's it requires a leap of faith. Yes, the difference is is that Christians recognise that belief in in, in in the divinity of Christ requires belief, whereas you know <laughs> lots of people just assume yeah. that human rights are something that exists. Yes, but they're not. They're they they're, right. they're the, the, the result of specifically legal developments in medieval Christendom, uh, the the, the emergence of of, um, uh, this theory by the canon canon lawyers from the 12th century onwards, Mm -hmm. it it doesn't just spontaneously emerge. Yes, but you hold dear to your heart those liberal values. You personally hold dear to your heart that that the weak should not be cast off and that there's there's an equality. Yeah, but I recognise now that they're not you know that they're Christian mm. values. Yes. Yes. And of course, the w- what it opens up is the is the recognition that that actually, without Christian faith, mm. Mm. then w- ultimately, what is the underpinning for that? Yes. And the 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 kind of idea of uh, that, that, that humanists propagate that somehow science proves this. I mean, it seems to me grotesque. Right. You know, science, science is a mirror in which you see what you want to see reflected back. Yes. So the Nazis use science to justify, you yeah. know, racial genocide. Yes, and liberals use it to justify, you know, let's you know, hug the world. Yes. But both of them yeah. reflect the cultural yes. prejudices of the, the, the people who are looking in that mirror of science.
0: Therefore, Do you get what he's saying? It, it, it's not scientific to believe in equal rights, It's Christian but there's something about understanding the world where God sent his son to die for us seeing that God raised him to life exalted him for his humility realizing the world runs that way that's what justifies things like equal rights and care for the poor the cross doesn't just show humility it shows how this world is intended to work it shows us a way of viewing the world that we by nature don't want and that's that's why Christians do what they do. It's because they've encountered this very different picture of who God is and what this world is supposed to be on about. That's what drives Christians to care. And they do care. Like um, two thousand and fourteen, four of the top five charity organisations in terms of giving were Christian. Um, we've recently had a, Lib- a Labour MP, Andrew Lee write a book called Dis- Disconnected. He's an atheist, he's an economist. He spends a whole chapter lamenting the loss of churches because they gave significant social capital to our society. He says people are coming more disconnected because there was something that church did that isn't happening anymore. There, there are a bunch of benefits that come from knowing Jesus. But that's the thing, you've got to know Jesus. They don't make sense, there's no justification for them unless God sent his son to die for us. That's the reason Christians do what they do. And and I just want to point us to this amazing statement about what God has done in Jesus to challenge us that we need to respond to that. And I reckon if you're sitting here today, there's, there's probably three ways that you might want to respond to this. It's possible that you've heard that and, hey, it's, maybe it's a new idea, maybe it's not, but you're not convinced yet. Can I suggest that at the very least you should probably investigate this more? Uh, if, if I'm right, then not to, to, to really grapple with where our understanding of ourselves has come from, not to take this seriously, is it, to give up the roots of what we hold dear in Western society it's probably worth working out where this has come from and whether it's true, because it didn't just happen by itself. So maybe you're not convinced. There's probably another group of people here that maybe you are. Maybe you have been thinking about Christianity and you've been realising it's true and it's time for you to decide. It's time for you to say, no, actually, I'm hearing this and I realise that something unique did happen back then and I actually need the impact of Jesus and his death for me. I need that forgiveness. If that's you, then can I suggest you need to talk to God about that? Um, here's a, an example prayer. I don't give these words as magical words that somehow you can repeat and, and it, it, it does something to you. But this is the sort of conversation you need to have with God. Father, I realise that Jesus is truly God, but he gave it all up for me. I deserved punishment, but he took my place. Thank you. You just acknowledge what Jesus has done. And then you ask him to change you please forgive me because of his death and teach me to think like him i ask in jesus name amen ask recognize what god has done ask forgiveness and for him to change you and he will answer that prayer so can i urge you if this is that moment where you've realized i need to make this decision that's the sort of conversation you should have with god And if you have that conversation with God, how about you let me know? We'd love to support you and help you to keep growing as a Christian. But the other response is that you believe this stuff already. And you are convinced that God sent his son and he died for you. And that God really does honour the humble. If that's the case, can I encourage you keep living in that reality. Let that idea that reality change the way you treat other people let that reality be something you talk about even though people look at you strange and think you're a bit wacky let the reality of what god has done in jesus keep being the thing that you talk about and i just thought this was a great moment in the interview that um this so this is a uh, glenn scriven a christian minister talking to tom holland who is an atheist historian and Tom t- turns around and urges Christians to talk about Jesus and the weird stuff. Have a listen to what he says.
1: So you would, you would like to see Christians uh, preach what? what? What would you like to see Christians well, I, say? Well, well I, I, th- I, th- I, th- I see no point in, in, in bishops or preachers or you know, Christian evangelists just recycling the kind of stuff that you can get from any Kind of soft left liberal, yes. Because that's everyone is giving that. You know, yes. if I want that, I'll, 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 yeah. I'll hear. know, I mean, get it from a liberal Democrat councillor. Yes. If, if you're a Christian, you think that the the entire fabric of the cosmos was ruptured mm. when by this strange singularity where someone who is a god and a man sets everything on its head. And the, you know there is a the, the, to say it's supernatural is is to downplay it i mean mm. this is mm. this is a massive singularity at the very heart of things, and if you don't believe that, it seems to me you 're not really a, a, a confessional Christian you may be a cultural Christian but you're not a confessional christian yes. so if you believe that, then it should also be possible to dwell on all the other weird stuff mm. that um <laughs> that comes as part of tradi- and traditionally come as part of the christian package yes. so
0: Ah. hear that encouragement dwell on the weird stuff be confident that you have something amazing and this world needs it Uh, we as sure hope are celebrating our birthday because we want to live the gospel and give the gospel we're convinced that this message is worth owning and worth sharing with others and i want to encourage us to keep doing that more and more how about i pray Heavenly Father, please use us as a church family to keep talking about Jesus, about the amazing thing that you have done for us when you sent your Son to die in our place. Help us to really own that reality, to let it change how we live, let it be something that is on our lips as well as our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Thanks, Russ. Uh, we are